I want to start out this morning by making a confession. Um, years ago, I used to be in the marijuana business, and that is not a Christmas tree. That is, if you've never seen one, that is a marijuana plant. And I had many, many gardens. There's me in one of my gardens in South Georgia. Now, if you notice, I don't have on farmer's clothes because I'm kind of pulling your leg a little bit. I was in charge of a task force that had different state agencies that would travel around all over Georgia and harvest illegal marijuana. And um, my job was to make sure that everything happened, to pay the bills, to whatever needed to be done, it was my job to make sure it happened. To do this, we used um, rangers from the Department of Natural Resources. Rangers, oh. <laughs> technical error there. We're having fun this morning. Um, these were three of the guys that, um, that worked uh, on my task force, um, all game and fish rangers, the NR rangers. And if you look in the back, you see that little all-terrain vehicle. Show me the next one, Andy. They would go around in their trucks and pull these all-terrain vehicles. And where, when the marijuana was located, then they would go in and they would lead local police officers to the marijuana patch to, and to look for booby traps. We trained them to do all this stuff. And they would get them safely in to harvest the marijuana. <coughs> Next slide, please. We worked as a team with a helicopter, um, and uh, the helicopter would spot the marijuana, and the ground team would, would uh, bring everybody in, and we would eradicate the marijuana. And all my team members took their job very, very seriously. <laughs> this, believe it or not, is a DEA agent and a state trooper. I don't know anything about this picture other than somehow I ended up with it. I'm just saying. <laughs> Next slide. This is what you would see from the air when you would fly around. That's what it looked like. Although really, it got where it was very rare that we saw that much marijuana. It was scattered out all over, but that's another story for another day. Next slide, please. <coughs> There's me on one of the days I was flying. My job, besides paying the bills and scheduling and everything else, my job was to fly in the helicopter as an observer and, and look down and try to spot the marijuana. If you look at that picture, I don't look real happy, and I'll explain that in just a minute. Next slide, please. Um, another picture, just uh, those two guys were state troopers with me. I was flying that day with... Herbert, who was my favorite pilot, I loved to fly with, and uh, he was very, very considerate of the people who flew with him. At the end of the day, we would burn the marijuana, and that's what marijuana looks like burning in large quantities. Usually the sheriff's office would make prisoners burn it, and we would also make them stand upwind from it, which they didn't like. That was the sheriff. That wasn't us, okay? <laughs> Everybody thought that on this job, that getting in that helicopter and flying around was the coolest job there. 
that's why I look so happy in that other picture. It wasn't. Occasionally getting up and doing it, it was really neat. But if you had to do it a lot, it was a terrible job. You flew around in circles looking at the ground looking for this marijuana. When you'd spot something, you'd fly around and around, which means the exhaust from the helicopter would get in that circle, and you're going around and around in circles, and you're smelling that exhaust. Am I making anybody sick just thinking about it? That's the way it was. And then I had one pilot, and I'm not going to tell you what we named him behind his back, but <clears throat> he did not know how to fly straight and level. He flew like this with him on this side so he could look and see good. Well, if you're on the upper side, guess what? Oh, man, it was terrible. The people who flew as observers all the time, did you ever have any uh, sickness when you were doing your helicopters and working in them? Did it ever bother you? You were a young, tough Marine. You wouldn't admit it anyway, would you? Not then, anyway. <coughs> but anyway, back to my story. All this flying around in circles, all this stuff, it was hot, it was miserable, it would make you sick as, as, you, know, as you would not believe. If you did it all the time, you got used to it. But I didn't do it all the time. Sometimes I'd be on the ground. If I had people that had to go to court, if I had people on vacation, whatever, I had to fill in. So I had to do all the jobs. And I got where I did everything I could <laughs> to keep from getting in that helicopter. One day I was looking at an article in an aviation magazine. And it told me about a miracle. Next slide, Andy. Relief band. Now, I may have told some of you people about this. I told my wife about it, and she will <laughs> amen it. This little watch right here has little electrode thingies on the back. That's technical t industry terms. And it puts a little, you wear it on your wrist like this, and it puts a little shock right into your wrist. And a little tingle right here and it will stop motion sickness. It sounds like hokum, doesn't it? But trust me, it worked. With the guy whose name we do not speak that flies around and around <laughs> like this, I flew with him for eight hours one day because we were having a good day or a bad day, depending on, we found a lot of marijuana, let me put it that way. Well, such a good day for me. But I wore this thing for eight hours and did not get sick. I tell people about this. If you, if you go on a cruise, take one of these. You can get it where all good things come from, Amazon. <laughs> right? <laughs> she delivers all my Amazon stuff. She knows. Amazon sells these, and I tell everybody that I know about this. You ever have anything in your life that's that way? Another story, I was uh, working in South Atlanta on a child molestation case um, many, many years ago, and um, all my life, I've had trouble with fever blisters. Since I was a little kid, I've had them. That day, I was down there working, 
I had an ISOM. Very painful, very ugly. I hated it. But there was a lady who was actually the supervisor of the Department of Family and Children's Worker who was working with me that came up to me and pulled me to one side. And she says, I need to tell you something. She says, You have a fever blister. And I wanted to say, Well, I won't say what I wanted to say, but, <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, Yeah, okay, yes. She says, I want to tell you about something that will help you with that. I have one too. She says, it's called L-Lysine. Since I started taking this, I don't have fever blisters anymore. If you have fever blisters, come talk to me about it. If you have a friend that has it, come talk to me about it. It works. And what's interesting about this is, I told my dermatologist about this. And she said, yeah, I am familiar with that, but there's been clinical tests done, and there is no proof that that works. I went, <laughs> I can testify, I can tell you right now that it works. Now, let me tell you something about telling us. Oh, I, let me back up me. I left a, an important part of the story out. One of the things that the lady told me was, I'm going to tell you this, but there's one thing you have to do. If it works for you, you have to tell other people about it. A little bit harder than the watch. You kind of hate to go up there and say, is that a fever blister you got on your lip, you know? Well, anyway, a little bit harder. But those are two things that people did in my life, two things that happened in my life that have changed my life for the better. This morning, what I want to... Uh, Look at, next slide please, is why is it that we as Christians don't always share the most important relationship in our lives, Jesus Christ? Why do we stay silent? It's a great thing. It changes our lives. But yet many times we stay silent. Why is that? Put a thought out to you. Is staying silent about Jesus a sin? Is it denying Jesus? Have you ever considered that by not opening our mouths, we are denying Jesus? Have you ever considered that when he was crucified, that no one stepped forward? And spoke for him? Was Jesus killed by the silence of his followers? Something to think about. The Bible tells us in Luke twenty-two fifty-four about Peter. Remember that story? I'm going to read it just to refresh your memory. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. And Peter, fo Peter followed at a distance. We're talking about Jesus. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, 
Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. We know what happened then. Peter realized what the Lord had said. He realized what he had done. And he went outside and he wept. I've thought about this. Why are we reluctant to tell other people about the greatest thing, the greatest gift of all? A lot of other, a lot of reasons, rejection, afraid they'll reject us. How do we witness? What do we say? There's, there's too much to go into on that to try to cover it this morning, but there's a lot of stuff out there that can help you with this, and you have to find one that works for you. <clears throat> there's two things I want to mention this morning. One is, going, when we started with iServe, and we were pushing carts out to the people, um, it wasn't, do you know Jesus, when we got out there. That's not the way I heard other people there. I learned it from other people. I didn't come up with this. What people would say is, how's your day going? Is there anything I can pray with you about today? Wow, that opens doors. Just those two sentences right there opens doors like you would not believe. And there's a lot of other ways. There's a guy by the name of Bill Fay who wrote a book called Share Jesus Without Fear. He goes into different techniques, very similar to what happened at iServe, that you can do with different phrases and stuff like that, to talk to people about the Lord, to tell them about the Lord. Icebreakers, if you want to call it that. I'm not going to go into all of him, but that's just an example, one that I've read, one that I would recommend, and I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that he talks about in here. Um, one of the things he talks about is knowing Scripture. Sir, do you know the Lord? <laughs> I do too. You know how I know about the Lord? The Scripture. You know, there's this verse in a Bible, you know, the one where he's walking on the water and it separates and... You know what I'm saying? You need to know key scriptures. If you go up and you're very vague, if you confuse scriptures, stuff like that, it's not going to go over so good. And you don't need to know a whole lot of them, he points out. Just certain ones. John 3.16 for one. And there's other examples um, that he, he talks about in there. Sharing your faith. There was a commercial that was on years ago. From E.F. Hutton. Anybody remember that commercial? When E.F. Hutton speaks. You'll never regret the purchase of a good stock. You don't say, yeah, my broker says it's a real good buy. What does your broker say? Well, my broker's E.F. Hutton. And Hutton says... When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. A blast from the past. But it makes a good point. Wouldn't it be great if you were a strong enough witness that when you spoke, everybody did like E.F. Hutton? 
and they listen to you, wow. One of the things that Bill talks about in his book is a lot of people get discouraged by witnessing because people turn them away, because they don't get saved, because they don't see any result, result, results from the seed that they planted. And one of the things that he points out in, the, in his book is that that's not what witnessing is all about. We, me, I can't even save myself. There's only one person who can save me, and that's Jesus. Witnessing has everything to do with obedience, of going out and doing what Jesus told us to do, being disciples and witnessing for him. It's one thing that we can't mess up because all, all we're asked to do is go out and witness. This person may not listen to God when you've listened. He may not listen to the next Christian. It may not, but one of them may say the right words at the right time to turn them to the face of the Lord to be able to hear what the gospel is all about. And that is our obligation. It's not to go out and save people. We can't save people. Whether we lose or fail, it does not matter. Our job is to experience, is to witness and to tell them about our personal experience with Jesus Christ. How has this affected my life? How has this watch, how has this medicine affected my life? How has the power of the Lord Jesus Christ affected my life? There's a story in the Bible that I love. As a kid, I loved it. Because <clears throat> it talks about, okay, I hear what, I hear what you're saying, but I feel a little unsure what I should say, what I should do. Um, slide 19. It is the story of King Jehoshaphat. Did, as a kid, did anybody ever say, jump at Jehoshaphat? Okay, showing my age again now. I won't go there. That's one of the reasons I like that scripture. But I just love the name Jehoshaphat. In Second Chronicles 20, um, Je King Jehoshaphat is being faced with a huge army. The Moabites, the Amenabites, and the Moabites, Menabites, and I, I can't remember the Menabites, Menabites. They were fixing to start a war with him. He was the king of Judah. His troops were very inexperienced, and he was really concerned about them. And everybody came to him and says, what are we going to do? He gathered everybody together. And he prayed, and everybody prayed. This is the important part of this for me. At the very end of the scripture, he says this to the Lord. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. If you don't know what to do, if you don't know how to witness, turn your eyes to him. He will guide you. He will lead you. 
he will make your words his words no matter what you say to this person if he is if this person is receptive to the lord it doesn't matter what you say what matters is you being obedient and that you going forward and witnessing for the lord new year's eve next slide amy time for new year's resolutions right what's your resolution going to be next slide amy Typical ones, quit this, quit that, do more of this, do less than that. I want to challenge you this morning to make a New Year's resolution for 2018. And this is the New Year's resolution that I'd like to challenge you to make. It's called the Great Commission, and I'm going to read it. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even till the end of the age. I'm going to try to make that my New Year's resolution for next, next year. To be a better witness, to take time <clears throat> out of my life, to study how to do it, how to approach it, and to do a, a better job with the understanding that I am being obedient to the Lord that I am not there to win anybody, that I cannot win anybody over to Christ. Only the Lord can do that. But one thing I want you to think about, when you go to heaven, have you ever thought about how many people there would be waiting on you saying, thank you. You tried. I didn't listen. Thank you. You turned my eyes to Jesus, and he saved me. Thank you for being a Christian witness, for being a Christian in my life that has helped me be a better Christian. Thank you for being there for me. Thank you for being a disciple of Jesus. Be obedient. Make this your New Year's res res resolution and do everything you can to follow it.